Today on The Matt Wall Show, Black Lives Matter is a far-left political group with far-left political goals. It's really that simple. It's not concerned at all with preserving black life. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what Black Lives Matter's actual agenda is, because I think that's important. Also, five headlines, including mentally unbalanced college students saying that they are too traumatized to return to school because one of the students at the school tweeted a joke about George Floyd, and now they're too scared to go back. This is real. We'll talk about that. And some Jimmy John's employees were fired for making an allegedly racist video. The only problem is that there's nothing racist in the video at all, yet they've been fired anyway and smeared as racist. So all of that on the way. But uh, before we get to anything else, the show today is brought to you by our friends at LifeLock. You know, having your identity stolen, it's not just a sort of a scary experience. It's also a huge hassle if you've ever been through this to try to get it, to try to undo the damage. Cyber criminals are not going to let the COVID-19 crisis stop them from using tax fraud to take what is not theirs, what doesn't belong to them. With the extension of the tax filing date to July 15th, there's expected to be a rise in tax-related identity fraud. Um, The types of tax-related fraud vary, but remember, the IRS will not contact you directly by email or text message or other online platforms. So if you get something like that, it's it's going to be an identity thief. Thief. Uh, identity thieves are getting smarter all the time. And as you know, as people g- learn about one scheme, well, they're just hatching another scheme now. That's why you need comprehensive protection, especially during tax season when so much of your most vital private information is being shared. That's why it's so great that LifeLock is there. LifeLock is a leader in identity theft protection. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity theft uh, threats, and they're going to, like your social security number being for sale on the dark web, whatever it is, and they're going to alert you to that and take care of it. Remember, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. So join now and save 25% on your first year. Go to LifeLock.com Walsh. That's lifelock.com slash Walsh for 25% off. Okay, alleged news anchor Don Lemon had a pretty fascinating exchange with uh, Terry Crews last night on his alleged news program. Terry Crews is an actor, TV TV host, uh, TV personality, also a black man who has had the courage to speak out in recent weeks about the real threats that are faced by the black community. Uh, Cruz's point has been that the police are not the main problem by a long shot. If we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter, we need to talk about all of the black victims of violence, most of whom are victims of violence perpetrated by other black men. That's the reality. Now, Don Lemon doesn't like that. He doesn't want to talk about that. Don Lemon is, is generally opposed to integrity and intellectual courage in all its forms, so if he sees that, he's going to have a problem with it, especially now. So here is um, Lemon explaining his point of view. Really, it should be Terry Crews explaining his point of view because he's the one on for the interview. But instead, it's Don Lemon explaining his point of view, and it's extremely revealing, I think. Listen to this. The Black Lives Matter movement was started because it was talking about police brutality. If you want an all-Black Lives Matter movement that talks about gun violence, in communities, including, you know, black communities, then start that movement with that name. But that's not what Black Lives Matter is about. It's not an all-encompassing. So if you're talking about, um, if if someone started a movement that said, uh, cancer matters, 
And then someone comes in and says, why aren't you talking about HIV? It's not the same thing. We're talking about cancer. So the Black Lives Matter movement is about police brutality and injustice in that manner, not about what's happening in black neighborhoods. If you, there are people who are working on that issue. And if you want to start that issue, why don't you start it? Do you understand what I'm but, saying? But when you look, but when you look at the organization, police brutality is not the only thing they're talking about. I know that. But uh, I agree, but that's not what the Black Lives Matter movement is about, Terry. Black Lives Matter is about police brutality and about and about criminal justice. It's not about what happens in in communities when it comes to crime, black on black crime. People who live near each other, black people, kill each other. Same as whites. Eighty some percent of white people are killed by white people. True. Because of proximity. Very true. It's the same thing with black people. But that again, happens in every single I neighborhood. But that doesn't, again, I'm not yeah, saying that's not like important that those, those, those kids died, but it's a different movement. Lemon seems to really be struggling there with the concept of an interview. Because normally an interview is a thing where you ask questions to the interviewee and then you give him a chance to answer. That's what the interview is supposed to be. Instead, Lemon pontificates and then continues pontificating even as the interview her interviewee is trying to respond. That's the way Lemon handles this. No wonder CNN's ratings have taken a dive ever since people stopped going to airports, you know, because they didn't have the captive audience anymore. Who would ever actually choose to watch this in their own home on their own time? That's, the, that's what I don't understand. But what he says there is illustrative, I think. Um, he actually says, now you, you heard it for yourself. I'm not exaggerating. This isn't hyperbole or, or, or misquoting. He, he actually says, that Black Lives Matter does not mean all Black Lives Matter. He actually says that. So, so forget all lives matter. We know we're not supposed to say that. It isn't even all Black Lives Matter, according to Don Lemon. It's only about the very, very, very small percentage of black people who are killed by police. That's all we're talking about. They're the ones we're supposed to be focused on, according to Don Lemon. Now, the problem for Lemon is that BLM has a website where it outlines its mission statement and the things that it's concerned about and fighting for, its guiding beliefs and principles. And what you find there is an extremely wide range of issues, not just police brutality. It's, that, that is not the exclusive focus of Black Lives Matter at all. It also, by the way, literally says all Black Lives Matter. It identifies that as one of its guiding principles from the website. It says, we are guided by the fact that all black lives matter. Direct quote from BLM's website. So contra Lemon, BLM does in fact claim th that it's, it's representing all black lives and it's fighting for all black lives. It, it, now it doesn't actually do that, not even close, but it does claim that that is its mission and its motivation. And that's the point that Terry Crews and many others are trying to make if you let them speak without talking over them. If you say black lives matter, and you say that's what you're fighting for, then what about all these black lives over here, these lives that are being destroyed on a daily basis? How can you ignore them if you're fighting for all black lives? At least five children were killed um, just this past weekend in our cities. I think actually it was six children. An eight-year-old was killed in Atlanta, uh, shot while she was in her car. A 13-year-old was killed in a carjacking in, in California. 16-year-old was shot in the face in Rochester. More than a dozen other people were shot in Rochester over the weekend. Nine people were shot in Baltimore. 
Um, 69 were shot, 16 killed in Chicago. 25 were shot in Atlanta. This is all in one weekend. One weekend of activity. Thousands of black people are, are murdered every year. And uh, in some weekends, as we see, you, know, you have dozens in a, in, a, in a span of 24 hours or 48 hours. Over 7,000 black people were killed in the year 2018, for example. And black people are murdered at a rate six times higher. According to G DOJ statistics, black people are murdered at a rate six times higher than white people. Six times. But over 90% of those murders are carried out by people in their own communities and of their own race. That's the reality. And it is just the absolute height of absurdity and fraudulence to have a Black Lives Matter movement that ignores all of this. Especially when you consider all of the other things besides police brutality that BLM focuses on. And we're going to, I, I want to go through some of those things in just a second. But before we do, I want to tell you about some new sponsors we're very excited about on the show, Blink Sale. Uh, you know, the quintessential American dream is owning and building a successful business. But as many business owners know, there are so many moving parts, so many things going on. It can be hard to manage everything and still stay on track uh, doing what you love and doing what you need to do to run your business. A big part of that is invoicing. You know, have you ever had to hassle a client that owed you money or gotten lost trying to keep track of your invoices and payments? Um, maybe you, you just made a basic template in Microsoft Word and you hate how ugly it is and how sort of clunky and difficult to use it is. That's why you need BlinkSale. Uh, they have built an invoicing software that helps you stay on top of your money, keep track of everything in one place, so you can stop sending those nagging emails to get you paid for your work. It's just a lot easier this way. I mean, with BlinkSale, you can send beautiful custom-branded invoices and estimates in seconds. You can stay on top of your outstanding invoices. You can let your customers and clients easily pay for your uh, invoices online. You'll even get instant notifications with a customer uh, opens your invoice, and so you'll know that um, that that they actually did see it. So forget about using invoice templates or stressing about coordinating a, a bunch of different software programs. BlinkSale takes care of all of that for you. And and you know the, the main thing for me is you don't have the awkwardness of sending the emails over and over and over again. That's the best part. As an added bonus, BlinkSale is giving away ten dollars to five hundred Daily Wire fans. Here's how to get it: Go to BlinkSale.com, start your fourteen day free trial. Create your first invoice of $10 and activate an online payment option, Stripe or PayPal. Then you send the invoice to dailywire at blinksale.com and you get paid your $10. The first 500 people uh, to send an invoice for $10 to dailywire at blinksale.com will get their invoice paid by Blinksale. There's a limit of one per person. Stop wasting time invoicing and, and try Blinksale for free at blinksale.com slash Walsh. That's B-L-I-N-K-S-A-L-E.com slash Walsh. Blinksale, spend less time billing and more time doing what you love. Okay, so BLM, let me uh, read their mission, state to, mission statement to you, okay? Right, right from their website. It says, we are guided by the fact that all black lives matter, regardless of actual or perceived sexual identity, gender identity, gender expression, economic status, ability, disability, religious beliefs or, or disbeliefs, immigration status or location. 
We make space for transgender brothers and sisters to, to participate and lead. We are self-reflexive and do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege and uplift black trans folks, especially black trans women, who continue to be disproportionately impacted by trans antagonistic violence. We build a space that affirms black women and is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments in which men are centered. We practice empathy. We engage comrades with the comrades. I actually say comrades. We engage comrades with the intent to learn about and connect with their contexts. To learn about and connect with their contexts. You know, I just want to connect with your context. That sounds vaguely sexual, doesn't it? Um, it, it sounds very euphemistic. We make our spaces family friendly and enable parents to fully participate with their children. We dismantle the patriarchal practice that requires mothers to work double shifts so that they can uh, mother in private even as they participate in public justice work. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. Um, we foster a queer affirming network. Uh, when we do, we, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather the belief that all in the world are heterosexual. We cultivate an intergenerational and communal network free from ageism. We believe that all people, regardless of age, show up with the capacity to lead and learn. Uh, okay. So, and that's just, that's just part of it. Okay. So we're talking about trans people. We're talking about, uh, actually we're talking about an awful lot about trans people for some reason. We're talking about sexism. We're talking about the patriarchy. We're talking about unfair working conditions. We're talking about ageism. We're talking about, uh, disrupting the nuclear family. We're talking about getting rid of heteronormative thinking. We're talking about uh, cisgender privilege. And then elsewhere on the website, it also says they're focused on environmental injustice, economic injustice, access to health care, access to quality education, voting rights, voter suppression. So that's like 14 things, I think, 14 or 15. And that's just a sampling. It is a veritable cornucopia of issues that they are uh, uh, talking about, mostly far left issues, often extremely far-left issues, dismantling the nuclear family, heteronormative thinking. This is far, 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 far left. A bunch of stuff that you'd expect a, you know, a white girl in a gender studies class to care about. If you polled the average black person in America, if you got a, you know, if you had a, a thousand black people polled at random, do you think that they would cite these as high priorities in their lives? Are these the things they're waking up worried about and focused on? Cisgender privilege and heteronormative thinking? The, the average black person, if you, if you were to ask them, you know, what, are, what are the things that are most important to you? How many are going to say um, dismantling cisgender privilege? How many of the average white person is going to answer that way? The answer is almost none. Now, I haven't conducted this poll, but I, I, that, that's, 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 I think, a very fair assumption. Because these are the goals and, and uh, desires and priorities of far-left political activists.
And yet, amid all of these issues, despite the extremely wide lens that BLM is, is using here, they can't make room anywhere on the website to even mention the problem of black children being slaughtered in the street by criminals. They've got time to talk about cisgender privilege. Somehow, cisgender privilege is a, is a, is a bigger affront to black lives and to the dignity of, of, of black life than black children being killed in the street in carjackings. They have no space for that. They have no space for the thousands of other black people who are killed every year. They don't mention it. It doesn't come up anywhere, ever. The sad fact of the matter is that Black Lives Matter is a very necessary message because black lives are indeed devalued and discarded on a routine basis in this country. But that devaluing and that discarding is happening almost all of the time in the vast, vast majority of cases within the black community itself. There is no getting around that. And the murder rate is not the only evidence of that. I want, to, I want you to watch this video. I'm going to play this for you. And it's gone sort of viral over the past few days. Uh, it's actually from, I think, 2019. And it shows a young black guy uh, with two other young black people in the car. One of them is sister, apparently, and then someone else. And he's flaunting his guns, and he's saying that um, he's going to kill a cop if he gets pulled over. Just, just watch this. My s*** on my lap next to the Jake's like, and I got my sister. Stop playing. <laughs> I'm gonna kill him. He gonna rise up. What we gonna do to him? You know it. <laughs> <laughs> the Jake. Oh, yeah. He don't wanna look. He's scared. He buys, you better match up. What the f this is? I'm gonna kill you right here. Okay, now think about. What you just saw there, that, that is a young guy who is apparently totally willing to throw his own life away for no reason. He, he's, according to his own words, he is prepared to die for no reason. He's, he's ready to shoot at a cop, instigate a fatal encounter. The best case scenario, go to jail for the rest of his life for no reason. Just, you know, why not? No reason other than bravado and acting out the stuff that he hears in, in songs like the one that's playing in the background during the video. Black Lives Matter, yeah, they do, but tell him that. He doesn't know that, that guy. And I'm sure he would shout the slogan, but he doesn't even think his own life matters. His own life. He is, this is a, a, a self-imposed devaluing of his own life that he is doing. He's willing to die just because, just to impress some people on Instagram or Facebook, wherever that video was, uh, was streaming. This is the same attitude that Rayshard Brooks had. He, he instigated a fatal encounter with cops for just, why? Because he didn't want to go to jail for, uh, because you know, he was, he was going to uh, go to jail for a DUI. Uh, okay, well, now, now, best case scenario, you've just you've just gone from 
you're, you're getting a DUI charge to about seven other felony charges. That's best case scenario if you survive, which he didn't. That's Rayshard Brooks, who did not think his own life mattered. Certainly not enough to, uh, to take basic steps to preserve his own life. And this is the attitude that cops in the city run up against all the time. It is a very noxious and virulent kind of nihilism, which treats violence and even death as a game. And, and this is what cops are, are, are confronting in the inner cities across the country. If your Black Lives Matter movement is, is if you're, the cops are confronting this. If your Black Lives Matter movement is not confronting this and not addressing it and not fighting against it and not exposing it, then your Black Lives Matter movement is nothing but a fraud, nothing but a front, which is what BLM is. Now, I want you to imagine, just think about for a moment, the situation that a, a, the average black child in, in, this, in, a, in you know, the average inner city is facing, okay? He's growing up in a home without a father. He listens to music and consumes media that explicitly glorifies and advocates violence, murder, and crime. And, you know, of course, it's like, it's cliche to even talk about that, or cliche, but also, I guess, racist to talk about that, or, or you know, you're, it's offensive somehow. But this is the stuff that kids in the city, not just in the city, across the country, are listening to. It's openly advocating. Say, oh yeah, go out and get yourself killed. So, no father in the home, consuming media that explicitly glorifies and advocates violence, crime, and murder, living in a community where murder, murder is a daily occurrence. In Chicago, it is a, a daily occurrence. In Baltimore, it's a daily occurrence. Drug dealers rule the streets. That's the situation he's, he's in. Um, what honest person could look at that and decide that the police are the biggest problem? You really think for that black child, the, the biggest problem for him is the police? That's where all this goes back? That's the source of most of his troubles? That's the thing most likely to kill him? No, not even close. So the whole thing is ludicrous. Um, and it is, uh, it's a shame that you know, that there is, that there is something called the Black Lives Matter movement that doesn't actually care about black lives because we could, we could use a real Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, let's go to headlines. So a couple weeks ago, a student at Kansas State, Jaden McNeil, tweeted a joke about George Floyd. The tweet said, congratulations to George Floyd on being drug free for an entire month. Okay, that was the joke. Edgy joke, okay? It's the kind of thing that, at the absolute most, a joke like that warrants a sort of a, 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 hey man, too soon, or something like that. At least that's how normal, sane, well-adjusted, mentally balanced adults respond to offensive jokes. Whoa, hey, that, that's the most that an offensive joke should ever get out of you. Whoa, like that. And then you move on with your life and you forget about it. Because hopefully there are, I mean, quite literally 
a billion other things in your life that are more important to you than the joke that you just heard or saw on Twitter. But we happen to live in a country that is home to lots of people who are not sane, not well-adjusted, and not mentally balanced. And this is doubly, triply, quadruply true in, in our colleges. So this tweet provoked an enormous reaction with students panicking over it. Um, and the administration of the school treating it, well, just, just look at these statements that were frantically sent out by the administration on the day of the tweet. The day of the tweet. The day that will live in infamy because of the tweet. This is Thomas Lane, Dean of Students. This is what he said. Um, For those impacted by this incident, please know there are supportive resources available, including the Office of Student Life, Counseling Services, and K-State Diversity. Okay, this sounds like there was a school shooting. That that supportive resources for those impacted... That's the kind of thing you hear after a shooting. But there was no shooting. Nobody was killed. Nobody was injured. Nothing happened to anybody. Nobody was hurt in any way whatsoever. There was a tweet. What would even what would it even sound like to go and seek resources because of a tweet? I just want to know what that that exchange when a, when a student goes into the office of student life. Like what are they saying? Yes, hi. I uh I saw the tweet. Please help. Please help me. I saw the tweet. I saw the tweet. Something like that, I imagine. Um, And then here's a message from the school president. A message from President Richard Meyer says, um, the insensitive comments posted by one K-State student hurts our entire community. These divisive statements do not represent the values of our university. We condemn racism and bigotry in all its forms. We are launching an immediate review of the university's options. Black Lives Matter at Kansas State University, and we will continue to fight for social justice. Hurts the community? How exactly? Can you explain that one, Prez? I mean, it's in specific detail. I want you to walk me through the steps. Okay, step one, somebody tweets a joke about George Floyd. And then there are a few more steps, and then someone is hurt. Like what, what happens in, how, in, it, how does that tweet become a thing that is hurting someone? And in what way are they hurt by it? That's what I want to understand. Also, by the way, why is it just assumed that this is racist? It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's an attack against an individual named George Floyd. You could say it's, it's in poor taste. You could, you could use all kinds of different adjectives. How is it automatically racist? If George Floyd was white and the exact same joke was was told, that well, then I guess it wouldn't be racist. Then you would just you would say it was in poor taste. It's personally offensive to George Floyd and his family. That's what you would say. You wouldn't say it was racist. So um, anyway, that was over a week ago, and the traumatized students still have not recovered from this. They haven't gotten over it. Here's an article on KansasCity.com. Um, let me pull, I, I just have to read some of this too. The headline is, I am totally scared. Black students dread return to Kansas State after racist tweet. Well, I, I, we just have to pause right there. Dread return after tweet. It says, uh, Michaela Ross, a Kansas, City, a Kansas State University sophomore, went to her in- internship boss at ExxonMobil last week and told him, I'm scared to go back to school. 
She wanted him to know why she couldn't concentrate on work. She was preoccupied checking in with schoolmates after a K-State uh, student's racially insensitive tweets about George Floyd offended students of color and drew support from national white supremacist groups. I'm not scared to speak out. I'm scared of the unknown, said Ross. I feel like the K-State environment is hostile and not welcoming to black students, and our administration has not taken actionable measures against racist incidents that have happened there. And this is not the first one. Um, in an unscientific student poll on Twitter, 124 of the approximately 700 black students on the Manhattan campus responded to the question, do you feel safe on campus? About 80% said, no, they don't. And I can't even continue reading this. I, I just, I, this is, this is mental illness, okay? If you sincerely cannot concentrate on work and you have to talk to your boss about it and you're traumatized, and you're actually scared to go back to school because a kid tweeted something, that you have a mental illness. You, you have psychological problems that are much deeper than, than any, any tweet can touch. Y yes, you do need counseling. That's the thing. That's, that's the one thing I actually agree with. This stuff from the school of, oh, if you need counseling. Yeah, all, all of these students that are traumatized, they all need counseling. But not because of the tweet. Just how do you function as a human being when, when you are that fragile? That, that a tweet that someone sent could make you, could incapacitate you. And on top of that, it's, it's, it's like, it's a tweet. And 99% of the people reacting to it are not just condemning it, but are over the top condemning it. So it's not even like you can say you you, you feel ganged up on or or no everyone. It's so the tweet was sent. It's a tweet. Everybody is saying this is a horrible tweet. It's the worst. Is that not enough? Is that is that not enough condemnation? If a million people react to something, and all but like three of them are condemning it, is that still you need the other three too? In order to function again as a person, it's just, my God. Uh, let's go to number two here. And now the great hero, the great martyr, Colin Kaepernick, has met the fate that all great martyrs meet, which is a partnership deal with Disney. Uh, here's Kaepernick saying, I'm excited for this partnership with Disney across all of its platforms to elevate black and brown directors, creators, storytellers, and producers. I look forward to sharing culturally impactful and inspiring projects. This is, this is uh, you know, I... I, I I can never cease to be impressed and uh, and just be in admiration of Colin Kaepernick and his heroism and self-sacrifice. I want you to think about what this man did, okay? He gave up a, a job as the mediocre second-string quarterback for a losing franchise. He gave that up. And all he got in return was multi-million dollar partnership deals with some of the biggest corporations on earth and widespread media acclaim. That's all he got. That's it. I mean, all he got was way more money, fame, and admiration than he had before. Amazing. A, a true martyr. I mean, this is what martyrdom is. Number three, now an important story from the uh, Daily Caller. It says, 
A German man was hospitalized Saturday after he was dared to lick a venomous snake during his bachelor party in the Australian Alps. After the incident was reported, a mountain rescue operations team and a doctor were called, and the 38-year-old man was taken to a nearby hospital. Um, the local Red Cross organization stated the man was bit on the tongue after fellow partygoers dared him to lick the snake. You know, at least this is one vestige of toxic masculinity that we still have. And I cherish it. That that men will still do almost anything if you just say, I dare you to do it. That's that's the one thing. And I think we have to, we have to hang on to that at all costs. Uh, now a report from the Daily Wire. Uh, it says... Actress Halle Berry apologized and backed out of potentially playing a transgender character in a film after she received fierce backlash online for considering the role as a cisgender woman. According to Harper's Bazaar, Berry told fans via Instagram Live that she was up for consideration to play a transgender man in an upcoming film until she received a flood of criticism scolding her for taking a role from someone who identifies as transgender. Um, and so she's not going to do that anymore. But, but so this is a, she was supposed to play a transgender man. So, in other words, a female. This is a female who is going to play a female, and that is appropriation. Okay, makes a lot of sense. And finally, a report from the AP. Uh, it says, New York hospitals released more than 6,300 recovering coronavirus patients into nursing homes during the height of the pandemic under a controversial now-scrapped policy, according to state officials. But, so we knew this was happening. We didn't know the extent of it. Now they're saying 6,300 infected people were sent into nursing homes. But they argued it was they are not to blame for one of the nation's highest nursing home uh, death tolls. What they're saying is it's the, um, it's the staffers who, uh, who were infected. They're blaming the staffers, just, just to, to summarize their rationalization. They're saying it's not their fault. Yes, they sent infected people by mandate, by order, into nursing homes, into the, into the places where the most vulnerable people are. Not their fault, though. No, they're blaming the staffers. Just the, the hubris is almost unbelievable. All right, we're going to go to uh, our daily cancellation. But before we do, you know, this past weekend, we witnessed a complete and total mockery of our country and the founding principles it was built on. And no, I'm not talking about President Trump's speech. I'm talking about the media response to it. It's just the complete and total sham that's called journalism nowadays. Um, this horror show from the left is exactly the kind of thing that Ben Shapiro talks about in his new book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. You can pre-order your signed copy at dailywire.com Ben. The book covers two fundamentally different visions for America that we're facing right now. This is a very important book for, the, for our time, for this, for this current moment in our culture. Um, one vision finds unity in shared philosophy, culture, and history. The other disintegrates our country in the name of fundamental change, um, hence disintegrationists. These are the people who use weapons like cancel culture and force apologies to advance their agenda. Shapiro covers all of this ground and more in his book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. Again, you can pre-order your signed copy at dailywire.com ben to get the perfect snapshot of this strange moment in our history. Now, Speaking of strange moments in our history, this is a, a, another, another hallmark of this moment is um, the, what we do now of sharing out-of-context videos of people maliciously in order to destroy them. 
And this is, this is our daily cancellation. I will be canceling with great prejudice everyone who maliciously shares out-of-context videos in an attempt to ruin the lives of usually just random people who are, you know, random private people. And, and despite not having all the facts, we're obviously at a crisis level with this kind of thing. It happens all the time. There are two recent examples I want to talk about briefly. Um, so first... We have some kids who work for Jimmy John's who've now been fired and publicly shamed all over the internet and the media uh, for an admittedly quite dumb video that they did take themselves and share themselves. But um, it's a video with, with uh, one of them has a, a noose made out of uh, bread dough around his neck. And anyway, here's, here's the video. Now, the claim, like in this tweet here from Nick Pappas and by so many others, is that this is racist. It's a racist video. This was done to mock the lynching of black Americans. That's what we're told. But that's not actually what you see in the video, is it? There is nothing racial in the video. Is, is there... Was there another video? Is there more context to this that gives us some evidence that this was racially motivated? I don't know. We haven't seen it. Nobody's mentioned it. Yes, they're making a joke out of a noose, which is macabre humor, and also an unsanitary use of a food product, which is really the only thing I'm offended by in the video. But how is it racist? And it really matters because... If these are just some kids being stupid and misusing a food product and being unsanitary and making a macabre joke out of like suicide or something, well, then we would all say that's stupid. And yeah, they're going to get fired because they took the video and they put it up. And, and again, they're, you, know, you, you can't do that with the food. Uh, so any company is going to fire you for that. But if that's all it was, their whole lives aren't going to be destroyed probably because of it. But you attach the word racist to it. And you say that they're making fun of black people being lynched. Well, now, not only do they lose their Jimmy John's job, their whole lives are destroyed. They're forever going to be the insanely racist people who are making fun of, of, of you know, lynching black people. So it, it really matters whether or not this was racist. And there's no evidence of that. The only evidence, apparently, is just that they were making a joke out of a noose, out of a fake noose. But since when did a noose become a universal sign of racism? Nooses and hanging have been used across the world, everywhere, uh, you know, as, as, as in order to kill people. This is, and it's also the most, one of the most common forms of suicide. So this is something that we're watching the media and the left do right now in real time. They're taking the noose and they're they're just they're making it into a white supremacist symbol. Even though it isn't, and it never has been, they're just they're making it into that. It's just like they did with the OK sign. Oh, and I just did that. So now watch, this is gonna be on Media Matters now. Um that symbol, which which for I don't know, decades meant A-OK, good, or something like that, the media made it into a white supremacist symbol. 
And if you remember, there was a guy, and now people are getting fired, even if they just inadvertently make that. A guy, a Hispanic truck driver made that, inadvertently did that while he was cracking his knuckles. He was kind of like going like this, and he got fired as a suspected white supremacist. So now the, the media is doing that with this as well. Um, and these are, these are real people whose lives are being destroyed. And nobody cares. And then there's this video, which, uh, according to people like David Levitt, shows, quote, ignorant Florida man without mask screams and spreads spit at elderly woman who asked him to please wear a mask and the man who defended her because, quote, he feels threatened. That's the description of the video. Sounds pretty bad. Uh, here's the actual video. You're six feet away from you. You're harassing me. My I'm not harassing afraid. you. You are impacting us. You're, you're coming close threatened. to me. You're coming close Back to me. Back off! Threaten me again! Back the f*** up! Put your f***ing phone down! Okay, wait a second. Almost nothing in the description that I just read to you is actually shown in that video. Yes, a guy is screaming. Yes, he says he feels threatened. But there's no elderly woman in sight. There's no discussion about masks. Um... You don't see in this video a man being politely asked to wear a mask by an elderly elderly woman and then him freaking out in response. That's not what you see. You see a man freaking out. That's the part you see. You don't see what led up to it. You don't see the context. In fact, in the video, in this clip anyway, the thing that he's upset about is being filmed and publicly shamed. That's the thing he's he's mad about. Which, on that note, I, I don't blame him for that. Um, now, maybe the rest of what David Levitt says did happen, but that's not what you see in the video. And so what happens now is we get these out-of-context videos, um, and almost always what we see is someone reacting to something, and then it, it, the people sharing it just fill in the blanks and tell you and tell you what, what led up to that reaction. And very few people stop to say, okay, can we see that part of it? How do we know that what your description of the off-camera stuff actually happened? And by the way, why was this video clipped that way? There, in that video, there's obviously more to it. It, it cuts on in the middle of, so the, it's pretty clear that there's, at, you know, I don't know, is there five seconds more? Is there 10 minutes? I don't know. But for some reason, someone decided to cut out the rest of it and just show us that part. Why? Maybe there's an innocent explanation, but maybe not. This is the game, though. And, it's, and I'm, I don't know if this is what happened here, but we also know the game among some agitators is to provoke a reaction out of somebody and get the reaction on tape and then make up a story about what led up to that reaction to try to destroy the person. We saw that, I think we played that video of uh, uh, you know, a black guy who said that he, he, he tracked down a woman who had shouted a racial slur at him. And, and, and you know, the, the only thing we see in the video is her outside of her home because she had been followed back to her house by the guy. And she was scared uh, because a, a, a man just followed her back to her house. So I, I think she has every right to be scared. And we get him filling in the blanks and just claiming that she, that he, she used a racial slur. Which, even if she did, that wouldn't justify you following her back to her house. But we don't see that part. 
And that's the game. So everybody who shares these kinds of videos uncritically um, and with the malicious intent to randomly destroy people they don't know who were involved in a confrontation that they know nothing about and the context of which they are, they are ignorant, all of those people are all canceled. And we'll leave it there. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. In a horrifying but revelatory moment, Don Lemon says the quiet part out loud. Black Lives Matter doesn't give a damn about the children being murdered in Democrat cities across this nation. We'll talk about that and we'll talk about the musical Hamilton and what it means on The Andrew Claven Show. <laughs>